and welcome to this week's episode of Seen and Heard, industry updates for the modern dairy family. I'm Melissa Lima, your North Coast and Organic Field Services representative, bringing you this week's special early Thanksgiving episode. First, we want to give a big shout out to Katie Roberti, Director of Communications with the California Cattlemen's Association and their team for graciously sharing with us their most recent episode of The Sorting Pen, which features Dave Daly, California Cattle Council Chairman, discussing how the council has put dairymen and cattlemen's dollars to work in 2021. We're so grateful to be able to bring you this as part of our podcast today. At the end of the episode, we hope you'll stay tuned for a brief message of gratitude from the staff at Western United Dairies to all of our valued members and industry partners as we move into the Thanksgiving weekend. We hope you have a wonderful holiday, a safe weekend, and we look forward to seeing you all back next week for our regularly scheduled content. Hi, I'm Jessica with PG&E. 811 is a free service to keep our community safe. Before you do any digging, PG&E will mark your gas and electric lines so you don't hit them. Call 811 before you dig. To learn more, visit pge.com safety. Welcome back to another episode of Sorting Pin. I hope you had the opportunity to listen to our last episode with Dr. Frank Mitloner, a professor and air quality specialist at UC Davis. If you haven't but want to learn more about the research when it comes to methane in cattle, I encourage you to check it out. Today, we're shifting gears to give producers an update on where their cattle council dollars are going. Established in 2019, after a referendum of the state's cattle producers, the council is getting more and more established every day. And to give us more insights on that, the current chairman of the council and past CCA president, Dave Daly, is with me now. Thanks for joining me, Dave. Thanks, Katie. Appreciate it. Why don't you start with giving us your quick elevator pitch? Let's remind people it's been a long time since the referendum passed. A lot of things have happened. What is the council? Why did it get started? Who's running it? Sure. The Cal Council, it was quite a process to get it established and it, it has been a bit of time, but we were out talking to producers all over the state. And I think one of the things people need to recognize is it's a big state with lots of different kinds of producers from feedlot operators in, in Imperial Valley to the far North Modoc County cow-calf operators, everything in between with range producers, stocker operators, auction markets. So it wasn't a simple process to get people to understand what the objective was. But really, I think the objective was to see if we could get some resources to work on issues that are really important to producers to allow them to stay in business. So it was set up in a manner that there was a dollar per head deducted on cattle sales with an opportunity for refund. We feel and believe that if the cattle council isn't doing what it should do, producers should have an opportunity to ask for that back. And, and frankly, there's been a fairly small percentage to do that uh, without prejudice. I don't know who they are, um, but we understand that over 90 plus percent of the people who have contributed have not asked for a refund. And we're really pleased with that. So once those funds are, uh, we have those funds that are deposited for the California Cattle Council, we have a group of producers who sit down and say, where's the most effective way that we can spend these resources? And those producers represent every segment, Again, the dairy sector, the feeding sector, range producers, and even one packer and a public member. And that gives us a broad perspective as we look at the kinds of proposals we should fund. So it was a tough year to set it up. Um, it ended up being right in the middle of COVID. It was hard to have in-person meetings. Our first in-person meeting, that was right when COVID broke. And so most of what we've been doing since then was virtual, which all of you know isn't the best way to get things done. Um, it's tough. And so now, 
you know, I think we're to a point, we, I think we've done some good projects. We can talk about those in a moment, but I'm really looking forward to getting out and talking to producers about the kinds of things we've done already and finding out from them things they'd like us to do in the future. And I think there's lots of opportunities to do so. Yeah. You mentioned we were, you were out on the road a lot promoting the cattle council during the referendum and then yep. kind of got shut down. That's been hard because um, I'm a pretty strong believer that we're doing the right thing. And I appreciate the producers who've been supportive. Uh, when I do get a chance to talk to producers, whether it's at the sale barn or it's at, it's at a meeting, although there aren't as many of those, most of them are really supportive, but they want to know what we're doing. You know, they, they feel generally positive about the council, but trying to get that word out when there aren't county meetings or conventions has been more difficult. So I think it's really incumbent upon us to try and get that word to producers of where their dollar's going and get some ideas of where they want it to go. Let's start with some of the broader things the council's sure. done. Um, what are some of the projects that maybe producers haven't seen that the council's been working on? Yeah, I think... You know, there's there's a whole host of those. And just in my mind, we kind of put them in buckets. There's kind of what I would call the advocacy piece where we get out and we try and uh, really educate the public in general, but more specifically regulators and legislators about what we're doing. There's a research piece, which I think is also very critical and more difficult to do more long term. And then there's the education piece that we, we try and w work into the group. And I, I put those in areas of mostly outward facing. And what I mean by that is we don't really need to talk to each other. We need to talk to the general public, to consumers, to regulators, to legislators. At the same time, we have to be inward facing enough to let producers know what we're doing. So in big themes, um, last year, for obvious reasons for me, we did spend quite a bit of time on fire. And um, we had a lot of discussions about where we are in the West, in California. We did uh, a variety of press conferences. We did a variety of tours, including uh, some fairly high-level players in, in the Newsom administration, trying to get them to think about how the world has changed in terms of fire and how that really impacts cattle producers in particular, but everyone in general. And I think we've made some progress. Now, whether they're going to do anything, you know, I'm, I'm still holding my breath to make sure we make change, but I do think we've increased the awareness of the problem. The other one that we spent quite a bit of time on with drought, and obviously um, we were trying to get ahead of the, the stories that always come out, which essentially say cattle are bad for the environment. And they use too much water. I think we had some pretty good discussions about how important cattle are and how efficient we are. So water was a secondary theme that I think was two kind of the overarching ones. The other things we do, though, that perhaps are a little more subtle that not everyone in the industry understands. We worked pretty hard on on trying to explain and spend some money on how regulations impact cattle producers. Um, the Cattle Council itself can't lobby. We can't take a, a specific bill or a specific proposition and say, oh, this is good or bad or we're for or against. But we can spend some time trying to get in front of the people who make those decisions, including the public, and say, look, you're over-regulating us out of business. And I think with some extent, and, and this is a large coalition did this, but I think trying to get that message out resonates with people. I think you saw that in the general election with Prop 15, and that wasn't certainly a cattle council effort. We couldn't do that. But the fact that we kept talking to people about how regulations impact what we do, I think people are starting to understand that affects the price of food, affects supply. So it was important. Those are all really important things. So when you're touching on those, are those with fire and drought, you said you did some tours. Are you also doing other things with those? How are you getting those messages across to the general public? Right. Um, there is, 
obviously there was a whole resilience campaign that has moved from subject to subject. But the idea is that cattle producers are resilient. They stay in business, but we need to have a resilient ecosystem to do that. And that includes what are we going to do about drought and how are we going to manage that? And what are we going to do about fire? So we, we have this layered approach and some of those are, we'll say, you know, we have digital campaigns in place, which isn't something most of the ranching community sees. And it's not my area of expertise, but we've worked with companies. So that message is actually targeting people. Any of us who check your, you know, you click on your cable news and you're getting pop-ups there, right? And we targeted some of those fairly specific, for example, in a legislator's district or in Sacramento. So people will constantly be seeing things pop up that say, hey, oh yeah, we there's something here about cattle being efficient or not causing water or fire. Those are cattle council funded efforts in collaboration with our partners. Um, and whether that's California Cattlemen's Foundation or a dairy group, we try and place those strategically to have influence. So you may not always see those in Merced County, for example, but if they're seen in Sacramento, they make a difference. Um, so I think that's another area that we can continue to do some work in with the digital work. Uh, there was some radio ads. We did a variety of press conferences with pretty good pickup and we've placed some op-eds and we've been fairly successful in the Sacramento Bee with some op-eds, whether they're on fire or drought or whatever they may be, but we're also successful trying to get those distributed around the state. Yeah, that's a great point that you just made. We may not always see them up in cattle country. We might not hear them on the radio station that we're listening to because it's a different audience. And most of those people already agree with us. Sure. And so if you want to hear them, though, if you're interested in what we've said and what your dollars have paid for, you can go to the website and all those radio ads, all those press releases, all of that information is stored there and you can kind of play and look. And I frankly think we had some pretty effective ones on fire and on drought both that featured a lot of our members. That's a great rundown on some of the broad campaigns and works the council has done. What are some of the specific things if a producer asks you tomorrow, what's something the council has done to benefit me as a producer, ease my load as a producer? Yeah, there's, there's several. I mean, personally, I, I think we always look at what, what affected me on my ranch, but I, I don't want to get away from this global look that some of the things we're doing in Sacramento probably have. You just don't see them as quickly. But more directly, I'm really excited about our Rancher Technical Assistance Program, the RTAP program, as we've called it, which essentially provided resources, again, to work through Cattlemen's Foundation or through Western United Dairymen, where any producer, you don't need to be a member, any producer can call in and say, hey, I got a problem with the DMV on how I register my truck, or I have a problem with air quality issues, um, you know, about something that was an issue to me personally in terms of my own vehicles, or it's a water reporting issue. And I think there's been a lot of those. There was a lot of questions about how do we report water? They're telling me I can't divert anymore. What can I do? And I think that program, and there was a podcast about that not too long ago with Jack Rice. Yeah, I think it was uh, episode two. We'll Ep link it when we post this podcast. Yeah. And I think I would really encourage producers to go back and look at that because there's a direct, again, any person who has cattle in this state can now call and say, I've got somebody on my side. That doesn't mean they can do your work, but they can sure get you in the right direction. And we've already got some really nice feedback from producers who were helped through some challenges because right now they don't know where to turn and you can't call a state agency because it gets more confusing. So I'm, I'm really pleased with that part of our effort. And I think that's a direct benefit to any producer, regardless of what they've ever been a member of. It's really exciting to be able to have Jack and Noah who are both running it 
Yeah. Just I'm, one phone call away. And, you know, and Jack comes with such a strong background because his connection to the agricultural business and to livestock and his time with Farm Bureau, plus his expertise in legal areas, we were just really fortunate that he can do that. And Noah's a great addition. So I'm, I'm really happy with that program. It's one of my favorites that the Cattle Council's put in place. In addition to RTAP, what's another example that you might have just for producers who are wondering how specifically or how day-to-day has the council made my life better? Well, I, I like to, you know, again, I'm a range guy and cow-calf guy, so we tend to think in that venue only. But if you want to think in other areas of all the things that are moving forward, whether it's on plant-based meat in the diet, and we're funding we're funding someone now who can work on early childhood nutrition, say how important protein is. Well, you say, well, that doesn't affect my bottom line on the ranch. Well, if your cattle are worth more, it might, right? I think we tend to want to say, okay, what happened inside my gate? You know, there's, there's other ones. If, if I was a feedlot operator, some of the work we've done on pathogens and how they move by air quality, that's going to be really critical to, to ranchers, not only in the feedlot, but range operations, because we have to be provided the ability to stay in business. But maybe one that's more, that's a little closer to home and it's not statewide yet is some of the work we're trying to do with the regional water quality control boards on the irrigated lands programs. And again, that's diverse. Every part of the state's a little bit different, but some of that work, and we funded further research with Dr. Ken Tate and uh, some work with Pam Giacomini to say, wait a second, the way those irrigated lands programs were set up really don't even apply to cattle. You know, we've just been paying a lot of money, you know, basically for something that may not be an issue. And because of that, and it's in the far north and most people won't know where it is, but Goose Lake looks like there's been an exemption that's been granted there potentially. And we'd like to see with some of the work we're funding through the Cattle Council that that program could be extended further south in the state and maybe eventually to anybody who has irrigated lands to say, you know, we aren't an orchard, we aren't a row crop, we don't use a lot of pesticides, we don't use a lot of fertilizers. Are we really trying to measure the right thing here? And if we can move that forward, that's a direct impact to every rancher who has irrigated lands. That's a really good example. So something like irrigated lands, or you said it's been done at Goose Lake, if we want to get to other regions or even any proposal you get, what is the process like to get funding? Yeah. And again, we're a new organization and I will say we learn as we go um, because there was no real structure. To be honest, we, we kind of looked at different models, used some things that the Beef Council has done in the past or any other organization that solicits proposals. And so what we're doing is we're trying to look for projects that will have the most benefit for the most producers. We don't go out and actively solicit and say, here's an RFP, a request for a proposal. We tried that and we got everything under the sun. So it was really hard. So more specifically, we develop a strategic plan and say, what are the areas that we really want to work on in that strategic plan? And how do we find funding for those? So we can get unsolicited proposals, which we have funded in the past. We can go out and specifically look and say, we're looking for example, for a PR firm that can help us in Sacramento, right? And that's an example of something that we work through that process. So there's different ways that we can get there. And I'll be honest, I don't think we have a standard process yet um, because we're fairly new. Uh, We're excited about the resources we have. The ones that I think have been really critical to me is to fund some things where producers can start to see some actual change. And I may be too close to it, but I feel between fire and drought and RTAP, uh, the, the Rancher Technical Assistance Program, I think we're starting to see some things that can reach a broader coalition of people. I think it's nice to see momentum or just things happening. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I think we've always known in this state between California Cattlemen's Association and, and the dairy groups and Farm Bureau, we need to do more. 
We've just never had the resources to do it. And this is, you know, still a small drop in a big ocean, but there will be close to $3 million a year that are generated, which is huge in the cattle sector compared to what we've had historically. So figuring out how to use that strategically, I don't think we're going to necessarily win every battle. And I don't think this is about, oh, we're always right and the other side's wrong. This is about really a broad approach to education, understanding, building allies, you know, people who understand us. So I'll go back to, for example, I think the legislative tours or the regulatory tours, those people just, again, it's not their fault. They don't come from our background. My old saying, which I say way too often, (laughs) right? But I really believe in it is they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I think the tour we did here when I had the hit, he was the head of Region 5 Forest Service. Now he's was appointed by President Biden to be the head of the Forest Service. He was here at the ranch. And I think what he came away with and many others who were on that tour is, oh, these people really do care and they understand. All of us who were part of this business say, well, that's obvious. It's not obvious. You know, it's not obvious. It's obvious to us, but it's not obvious to somebody else. And so it's up to us. And I think Cattle Council helps leverage that. I was fortunate to be at that tour. And I think it was a great picture. You were here carrying your kid was here carrying my granddaughter. Your granddaughter was here. It wasn't just you out here showing off your property. It was your family was here because they care. Yeah. And I think that we in the small rural communities throughout California, or even in the bigger communities, we talk to each other, people who think like us, and we just can't understand how anybody would have a different perspective. And I don't want to blame those people. I get a little frustrated, frankly, with our social media approach, not ours as in CCA or CCC or, but as ranchers, sometimes we're so on the attack and I don't know why, you know, it's like all we do is offend people that are our potential allies. And I think one of the things I'm learning with the cattle council, and I think I've, I learned it historically and I hope I get better at it is you don't have to dislike people when you disagree with them. And if you start from common ground, You might all of a sudden find that, oh, well, they aren't all bad and you aren't all bad. And I think the tours that I've been on, we started to see that. I've built relationships with people that don't think like me, and then they trust you a little more. It's really important to build that foundation. You got to have trust. And I think we are so um, defensive, and I get that way too. It's like they're after our way of life. They don't, you know, they're kind of, I get that way. I understand, but man, it just runs people away. I think there's a better way to get there. And that's, I was really shocked at some of the questions I get from people who don't know what we do. You know, once they understand, they tend to be a lot more supportive, but we got to get them to trust us instead of attack them. On the last episode with Dr. Mittloner, we talked about telling your story. I feel like we're always talking about telling our story. Yeah. And I, I sort of like the telling your story model, but I also think that we aren't necessarily good at listening. And I think that's the other piece that we have to understand others' perspectives. Why do they want to hear our story and we don't want to hear theirs? So it's a two-way street. For example, if I talk to a, legis- a legislator and I have from uh, Los Angeles, who's got a really tough district with high unemployment and crime, I'm supposed to ask her to worry about water quality in Butte County? You know, it's almost selfish for me to just say, my problems are bigger than yours. If we can figure out to say, oh, I want to know what you're about. They want to know it's got to be reciprocated. And I think those relationships are something 
that with the resources of the Cattle Council and other groups, Cattlemen's Foundation, I think we now have ability to build some of those longer term relationships. And I think you're starting to see it pay off. And it's not about just going and saying, I'm right, you're wrong. It's about saying, okay, how do we build a level of trust? I think we're getting, getting better, but we have a long way to go. Yeah, as we're talking about building long-term relationships and looking forward, where do you kind of see the council going in the next five years? I know the council went through a strategic planning process. How far out does that go? What does the vision for the council look like longer than just the first couple of years? Yeah, and we did. We worked through some of these discussions, and I think it's still evolving. I think any strategic plan that goes more than about four years, you need to update it and see what worked. and Probably what- especially when you have covid right in the middle of it. What worked and what didn't. And I won't tell you, everybody on the council agrees entirely of where we should put our resources. So I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think there is a general consensus that we have to focus on issues that will have the greatest impact for the greatest number of producers. And so one of the challenges, for example, if we want to invest a lot of research, research is long-term and a little slow, but we need to put some resources there. I would think, though, you'll find the majority of the council saying this advocacy piece that allows us to get our message in front of more people, influencers in particular, is where we're going to have to spend the majority of our resources. As I said, three million sounds like a lot, but we need to say, okay, how do we affect change or at least represent our producers? So to me, that means that we have to be targeted. Now, the issues may change and it could be, for example, you know, maybe plant-based meat raises its head and disappears again. Um, maybe there's going to be methane's going to come and be the major issue. We have to be nimble enough to say we need to be ahead of these, but there's no simple solution to say, okay, I got a roadmap. We're going to solve this one, solve the next one. I don't think you ever solve them. I think you try and move the general discussion. I've already seen the general discussion on fire change. Fire has changed. And I saw it again today. Somebody's talking about, you know, we need to go back to indigenous burning practices. And it's it's pretty popular in all of a sudden urban areas. We want to see the same movement on a lot of other issues. And I don't want a crisis to cause it. But that's what we have to do. Yeah, we're seeing it with the goats too. Goats are cool again. Yeah, goats are cool. Sheep are cool. I want cows to be cool. But part of the problem is infrastructure there. But I think grazing and fuel reduction is really kind of a a mantra that people are starting to listen to. Their insurance has gone up. They're in trouble. They don't know what they're going to do. And all of a sudden, prescribed fires become a sexy term again. And we're kind of moving in a direction that I think that dialogue has changed. Now we have to see how the action changes and actually see some progress. But if we can get people to say, oh, those cattle grazing out there are reducing fuel. Part of it is we have to, as producers, be willing to change our language. And that's really tough on us. That's really hard because I don't think we need to apologize for what we do. I don't think we necessarily need to change what we do, but we have to frame it in a way that doesn't, that people understand, oh, you're benefiting the environment or you're protecting my community. It's not the one that you'll lose the argument on every time if you say, dang it, I, I can't stay in business if you don't let me do this. You think anybody cares? I mean, you care, your neighbor may care, but that's not their personal concern. Do you care about, well, the donut shop in South Central LA state went out of business? You don't even know. Yeah. So I think we can't position ourselves as being selfish. We have to position ourselves as saying, ultimately, that's really important. You don't want to go out of business. For I don't sure. want to go out of business. But it's not the message we lead with. We lead with the message of how do we benefit the community and the environment, 
and how important we are. I see the same thing in the timber industry. It's the same issue. If they talk about logging and cutting trees, they lose people. And it's not that they aren't doing the right thing, but we have to, and again, I don't want people to take this wrong. Don't apologize for what you're doing, but frame it in a way which shows how it benefits the general public, not just yourself. A lot has happened in the last three years with the council, and it's been exciting to watch. I think the momentum shift that we talked about moving forward, things happening. I'm excited to see what happens in the next three to five years. Dave, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me and just give this update for producers that may not know what's going on. We'll be up in Reno in just a few weeks. I believe that you'll be there as well. Looking forward to it. I, it's kind of fun roles, past president of California Cattlemen, but now chair of Cattle Council. So I get to see so many people in so many different approaches, but I really enjoy that group and I'm so glad we're gonna be in person. Can't wait. Really excited to not be doing it on Zoom again. I believe the Cattle Council is also going to have a booth. So if you're interested in talking with Dave or Justin about the Cattle Council and what they're doing, find them up in Reno. Look for new episodes to come the week after convention that will be recorded with guest speakers, CCA leadership. So we'll see you in Reno, Dave. Thanks. Looking forward to it. It should be a lot of fun. And I don't have any big responsibilities there. So I'm just going to enjoy and visit with folks. Can't wait. Have a good Thanksgiving and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Yosemite Farm Credit is the farmer's choice for agriculture financing. As a farmer-owned cooperative, we are dedicated to serving our neighbors in the agriculture community with financial products and services tailored to your operation and backed with a relationship you can trust. Whether you're purchasing real estate, making improvements to the dairy, or wanting to purchase or lease equipment, we're here to help our members prosper. Visit our website at yosemitefarmcredit.com to find a branch location nearest you. Happy Thanksgiving, Western United Dairies members. This is Anya Radabaugh, your CEO, and I am thankful for all of you, all of our members, our board, our wonderful, talented staff that helps keep the organization going. I am so thankful to God for giving me this opportunity to work with such amazing families, and every day we're going to keep fighting for you. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and I am so thankful and grateful for every single one of you. This is Paul Souza with Western United Dairies. This year, I'm thankful for the opportunities that this country has provided to my family. My parents are both immigrants and have had incredible opportunities here, and I am very thankful for that. I'd like to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Feliz Dia das Gracias. Dairy members of Western United Dairies, from Rochelle of Lecheros Unidos de California, November is the time to be thankful, a time to remember and to embrace those who enrich our lives. I'm thankful for a lot of things in life, but I'm most thankful for all the work and effort that all dairy farmers and dairy men do every single day. Happy Thanksgiving to all. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our wonderful dairy producers and industry partners. This is Melissa Lima, North Coast and Organic Field Rep for Western United Dairies. I have a long list of things to be thankful for this year, topping it are wonderful family and friends, good health, and a job I love to do every day. But I'd be remiss if I didn't also mention the people that bring us Thanksgiving dinner. I'm so proud and grateful to spend my work week with the men and women who produce the food we eat, the safest, most abundant food supply in human history. Today, when the rest of us get to lay around and watch football after stuffing our faces, they are outside working to put the food on our tables tomorrow. Cheers to our dairy members and the farmers across the U.S. who feed us every day of the year. Happy Thanksgiving. Hi, this is Tiffany LaMondola. I am so thankful for friends, for family, 
for working for an industry that nourishes the world and is full of amazing people. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving, Seen and Heard listeners and West United Dairy members. I want to wish a great Thanksgiving to all of our dairy families across the state and to thank you for trusting your Western team to support you and your operations throughout the year. It is a privilege to serve members daily who belong to the most hardworking, steadfast, and faithful industry I know. I hope this season brings time to reflect on all of the blessings of the last year and to appreciate the small things that end up being the biggest blessings we hold. Wishing you and your families a blessed Thanksgiving. JFK said we must find the time to stop and thank people who make a difference in our lives. This is Aubrey Betancourt, Sustainability Director at Western United Dairies, taking a moment, taking a moment every day to thank the people that make a difference in all of our lives. And that's you, our dairymen, our dairy families, our farmers, our ranchers, our communities who spend every day waking up, heeding the calling to bring safe and healthy food from their farms to our tables, taking pride in being able to feed us in the world. And so I thank you and have a wonderful and safe and healthy Thanksgiving. Did you know that you can turn your dairy manure into cash? Bennett Environmental is offering above ground dairy digesters at no cost to you. These systems can also remove nitrates from your lagoons to help you comply with water board regulations. Our proven above ground technology will generate income for your dairy into the foreseeable future. Because we truck the renewable natural gas off site, your dairy can profit regardless of your location. Bennett Environmental, turning your wastewater liabilities into sustainable assets. Learn more at bennett-environmental.com. While Western United Dairies respects the varied views of our podcast guests, please know that views expressed on Seen and Heard may not necessarily reflect the positions of the Western United Dairies Board of Directors. Thank you to Western United Dairies generous business sponsors, Gar Bennett, California Dairy Magazine, Farm Credit Alliance, FNR Ag Services, Moss Energy Works, Bennett Environmental, PG&E, and Yosemite Farm Credit. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support. If you'd like more information on how to sponsor Western United Dairies or this podcast, please send us an email at info at wudairies.com. That's info at wudairies.com.